You know, Moses was given the commandment tablets a second time because his temper was so bad. That's very interesting. We'll talk about this and more. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Henry. And I'm Janice. And this program is called Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Word of God or we're discovering the Bible. And it's important to hear from God. Now, Corey and Ryan are here today. Corey, what's going on? Well, I'm taking a look at Deuteronomy chapter 7 because a specific idol name is mentioned and we're going to be taking a look at it. Ryan? How does God heal us? This is the question that we're going to be exploring in the scriptures today. All right. Very good. Look forward to that. And Janice, what are we doing today? On Friday, wrap up our question of the week. That means any of the chapters that we have read from the previous week, I'm going to ask anywhere from, oh my goodness, Numbers chapter 25 all the way through to Deuteronomy chapter 10. I hope you're ready. Deuteronomy 10 Verses 1 through 11. At that time the Lord said to me, Hew for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain, and make yourself an ark of wood. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood, hewed two tablets of stone like the first, and went up the mountain, having the two tablets in my hand. And he wrote on the tablets according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord had spoken to you in the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly, and the Lord gave them to me. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark which I had made, and there they are, just as the Lord commanded me. Now the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Benijaakin to Mosirah, where Aaron died, and where he was buried. And Eleazar his son ministered as priest in his stead. From there they journeyed to Gadgoda, and from Gadgoda to Jothbatha, a land of rivers of water. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. As at the first time, I stayed in the mountain forty days and forty nights. The Lord also heard me at that time, and the Lord chose not to destroy you. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, begin your journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Deuteronomy 7 through 10. This is great. You know, I love Deuteronomy because Moses speaks about the things of God. He's going, his life is going to end. God told him that. 
So what does he do? Does he go back and reflect on everything he did? No, he talks about what God wants the people to do. His focus is on God's word to them. Moses was not interested in preserving his own history, only God's future commands. That's interesting. To prophesy the future, one must understand the past. So Moses is reviewing how the children of Israel came out of Egypt and will inherit the promised land. A large portion of the tribes of Israel that would move into the promised land were not born in Egypt, but in the wilderness, in the middle of nothing. Yet they were commissioned by God to take the land as their inheritance because of the promise made to their forefather, Abraham. Soon this reality would be placed on the leaders as they were given the responsibility of the land for their future generations. So Moses highlights the way in which God selected the tribe of Levi for the priesthood and why they were unique and different from all of the others. They did not have an inheritance in this world, but theirs was in the Lord. And I remember there, there was a, a time when everybody was talking about being a king's kid. And I'm a king's kid. But actually the scripture tells us in Peter that we are selected to be priests. And what that means, priest is very different than what we anticipate as a king's kid. Now, I know the Lord is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, but as priests, we have a responsibility to understand the meaning of God and wrap our lives around him because our inheritance is the Lord. Very simple. Now take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage, and uh, if you would, uh, it's great. If you don't have a Bible guide, write or call or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a place where you can uh, make a donation. We thank you so much for that donation and take you to a place where you can download it as we have printed it. Very, very good. Also, may I say that it's important to understand what God is saying through these passages, Deuteronomy 10, 1 through 11. And Father, as we get ready to talk about this. We pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to see and understand what you're doing. And Lord, help us not to read into the Bible. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to read from the Bible. Let it change our hearts instead of us trying to find reasons that we can believe how we believe. But help us to change our hearts. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen and amen. Let's look at the first verse. This gets interesting. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 1. At that time, the Lord said to me, Hew for yourselves two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain and make yourself an ark of wood, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke, Moses, and you shall put them in the ark. You know, I love this because after Moses broke the first tablets because he was angry, God writes on a second pair. What this tells me is God can use us in spite of our tempers. Thank God. I can tell you at least there are many reasons that God should not use me. One of them is my temper. But God is able to overcome the things inside of us and make us more to be able to do his work his way. Now, Moses did go into the promised land through Jesus Christ, by the way, just letting you know. On the Mount of Transfiguration, 
Eli and Moses. Very interesting. Anyway, Deuteronomy 10 verse 3 says, So I made an ark of acacia wood and hewed two tablets of stone like the first. And I went up to the mountain having the two tablets in my hand. And he wrote on the tablets, according to the first writing, the Ten Commandments, which the Lord had spoken to you in the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly, and the Lord gave them to me. Then I turned and I came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark, which I had made, and there they are, just as the Lord commanded me. Which brings me to the second point. God told Moses to preserve the writing on the tablets by placing them in the ark. <laughs> Fascinating. We must always pay attention to God's word. I, I tell you, I was in a, a place in our church. We had a youth meeting and we had uh, Sikhs come in and every, everything else and, and uh, the people and we have a Bible or had a Bible at the front of the church opened up. And uh, I remember a Sikh coming in and turning his back and walking down backwards. And I couldn't understand that. But anyway, he came in and afterwards I was talking to him. He said, well, we believe that the Bible is one of the holy books. And we believe that it is. You can't face the Bible. And I thought, isn't that interesting? And I, I explained to him that we can face the Bible because of Jesus Christ. Keep in mind that the Word of God is a holy book. And we have the beautiful privilege of reading from the holy book. Oh, that's amazing. It's amazing. I get excited, excited about that. Why people don't read from the holy book, I don't know. But anyway, anyway. All right, let's go on to the next verse. Uh, 10 verse 6. Now the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Bani Jakan to Morsherah, where Aaron died. And there was buried. And the Eliezer, he's the son, ministered as priest in his stead. From there they journeyed on to Gadgula, and from Gadgula, Jotbatha, a land of rivers and water. At that time, the Lord separated the tribes of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord to stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless in his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. As at the first time I stayed in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, the Lord also heard me at that time, and the Lord chose not to destroy you. And then the Lord said to me, Arise, begin your journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, pay attention to this. God called the tribe of Levi to be his priests. God, God called them. God called us to be his representatives by following the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives. Did you know that you're pretty much a priest? According to God, an apostle, one who goes forth in power and authority of Jesus Christ. It becomes very interesting. And so, beloved, may we become the people 
that God has called us to be and is waiting for us to become. We have to submit to Christ and say, Lord, we've got to live your way, not my way. Your way, Lord, not my way. May my heart and my spirit hear you and accept you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Jesus Christ spoke to us and told us not to be afraid, not to be troubled by these times. This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of God's final reconciliation with the world. God is going to make things change in our lives. And this is very important. He has selected you and myself to live in this time. And I find that absolutely amazing. In our reading today, specifically in Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse five, it says this, this is what you're to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols in the fire. Now this is instructions to the Israelites on how to handle uh, the, the, the really brutal religions that they're going to come across. Uh, in, they're not to tolerate it within their own society. They're, they are to be, the Israelites are to be a people dedicated to God. They are not to be a people dedicated to God who also engage in the worship of uh, foreign idols and foreign gods. This was not to be a thing that Israel was allowed to participate in. Uh, and, and if they, found it within you know, their own people. Don't tolerate it, smash it, get rid of it. Today, I wanna to focus in on the mention of Asherah poles. This is not the only mention of Asherim or Asherim that come up in the Old Testament. There are quite a few. So let's focus in on this and see if we can figure it out historically. The word Asherah and its plural Asherim are in the Bible many times in reference to worship practices that were forbidden to the Israelites. While one of the traditional interpretations of Asherah, Asherim, is as a pagan goddess, the Bible's usage of the word isn't always as straightforward. Sometimes the Bible's usage does seem to indicate a goddess. In 1 Kings 18, the prophet Elijah refers to 450 prophets of the known pagan god Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. Also, idols and graven images of Asherah are mentioned. However, in other biblical references, the word Asherah is presented as a tree, a tree trunk, or a wooden pole. And in many cases, the plural Asherim is used. In the ancient Jewish Mishnah, three kinds of Asherah are mentioned, a tree, a tree trunk cut and trimmed, and an idol. The concept of a goddess associated with a tree is very well attested to in the ancient Near East. The goddess that most scholars identify as the precursor to Asherah is an early Canaanite goddess whose names are linguistically connected to Asherah and who was seen as the mother of the gods. She was revered as the god of the home and love and was the spouse of the chief god El, who was eventually replaced by Baal. Asherah is linked to Baal in the Bible. The older goddess's symbol was the sacred tree flanked by two animals or humans who were reaching up to eat the tree's fruit. While there are no mentions of Asherah in Canaanite literature, the Bible's picture of a goddess and trees and wooden poles line up with this earlier goddess's description. It seems Asherah was a goddess and her symbol was the tree. Disturbingly, though it was forbidden, the worship of Asherah in Israel and Judah seems to have flourished. Several inscriptions have been found that contain a blessing formula to bring prosperity by God and his Asherah. 
These formulas date to just before the time of Hezekiah, king of Judah, putting into context for us the challenge he faced in attempting to rally the nation back to a biblical method of worship. So a lot of times when I talk about Asherah or Asherim, I get a lot of tension from people. And I think that's because people like a really simple answer. But a lot of times when you're dealing with ancient cultures, you really have to get into some nitty gritty details in order to understand the big picture uh, that's being pointed to in the scripture. And I think that's the case here. We can get a really satisfying answer of who and what was Asherah and Asherim and Asherah poles, but it does take uh, considering the issues uh, kind of broad scale as opposed to just, you know, a quick one-off answer. I think it's interesting also to note that uh, it's in the Bible, that these worship practices and so on are in the Bible and God breaks out commands against them. And yeah. to tell people this is this is not right. Mm -hmm. And I think that becomes very important. So that's good. Excellent. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, well, as I mentioned off the top of the program, today I want to talk about God's healing. How does God heal us? Well, while we might only think of supernatural healings, we need to consider that one-third of all the laws in the Mosaic Law deal with practical ways to be well and to stay well. Check it out. How does God heal us? Physically speaking, there are the supernatural healings, particularly in third world countries where doctors and medical supplies are not readily available. But God also often takes away from us all sickness naturally when we simply practice the clear and practical medical prescriptions and procedures found in His Word. After all, one-third of all the laws given in the Torah are detailed medical regulations. In fact, despite being penned three and a half millennia ago, many of the principles of hygiene and sanitation recorded in the Pentateuch even show a clear understanding of what we now call germs. No other ancient medical document is comparable, nor would we have anything like it until the close of the 19th century. People prior to the 1890s had no idea that microscopic germs could be living on cooking and eating utensils. Yet Leviticus 6.28 clearly warns against these deadly germs by instructing that metal pots be both scoured and rinsed in water so that it can be disinfected. Similarly, meat was once left unrefrigerated and stored with spices in an attempt to prevent rotting and to cover up the smell. However, the Bible warned of the dangers of this practice. And everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean. Whether it is an oven or cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and shall be unclean to you. Another example is the tragic loss of many women giving birth in the 1800s due to the unwashed hands of doctors. In the Bible, however, God commanded the Israelites to wash themselves in running water. Also consider the horrible Black Death or bubonic plague of medieval Europe, which eradicated nearly one-third of the population, which is over 60 million people. At a time when doctors could not provide any answers, church leaders turned to God's word and discovered the strict quarantine procedures laid out in Leviticus. For instance, Leviticus 13.46 states, that any person afflicted shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His habitation shall be outside the camp. If only God's word had been heeded earlier, then many of these illnesses and deaths could have been prevented. Let us not make the same mistake today. Our great creator God is also the great physician 
and he sent his word to heal us and to deliver us from our destructions. So at the beginning of the segment, I mentioned briefly about a lot of supernatural healings occurring in third world countries where doctors and medical supplies aren't readily available. And this is actually something that Lee Strobel documented in his excellent book called The Case for Miracles. And what this says to me is that God can provide healing both through natural means, like through the work of doctors and other remedies, as well as supernatural healings when such natural cures are unavailable and unattainable or when God simply wants to show his power. But it's important to remember that God must be credited not only for supernatural healings, but also for natural ones as well, because he's the one who gave us the intelligence and resources to find such cures in the first place. I believe this is an extension of the dominion mandate given back in Genesis. Of course, there's a com- there is coming a day soon when true followers of Jesus Christ will be spiritually and physically healed forever and there won't be any need for doctors or medicine or hospitals. Everything will be restored to what it was once before man sinned and brought death and suffering into this world. For those of us who belong to God, we will forever be healed and delivered from our destructions. The question is, do you know him? If you don't, then I encourage you to receive him today. His name is Jesus Christ and he's as close as the mention of his name. So make him the Lord of your life before it's too late. You do that by praying and saying, Lord Jesus, I come to you. Uh, help me. Help me. I, I've got to find an answer to the sin. Come into my life and forgive me, Lord. You paid the cost of sin. Died on the cross and rose again miraculously in the flesh. And I believe that. Lord, help me today in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, God will continue to change your life. Very, very interesting. Let's get into the word. Corey. All right. Well, um, do you want me to talk about what I do on the weekend? If you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I already did my segment. What are we doing <laughs> what's here? What's left? No, yeah, what's yeah. left? What are we doing here? Okay. Actually, what I'd like to do is start this, but I'm very excited. Okay. Because you did a video. Yes, I did. And you noticed. You, I noticed. <laughs> okay. You were, I didn't realize you were taping, but... You did a video and it's absolutely great. Thanks. Okay, yeah. So if you've been uh, on on my uh, YouTube channel, which is just my name, Corey Babechko, um, I upload every single weekend. I upload a chapter by chapter recap of the assigned reading that week because it's a lot of reading, so it's easy to get uh, you know. You, fall behind. Um, and last year it was just me and you one-on-one, but this year there's been some changes. So we tape here in the studio and I've invited my husband to come along. Uh, but both of those videos, both of those styles are still available this year. Uh, and also there's some fun videos coming down the line. So that's what you're talking about is, um, I, uh, I did an experiment. I tried to bake a very ancient, Syrian pastry that dates from 3,700 years old. Yes, it, it dates roughly, you know, to the time period of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, and Joseph. And Hopefully the ingredients are 3,700 <laughs> years old. I can, I can vouch for that. They are not. Yeah. So you did that video and it's on and people can see that video. Yeah. So yeah. it's really something and, and uh, really, really It's good. a lot of fun, isn't it? It is fun. It's fun to be able to do something different, but still pertinent to the scriptures. That and we're, we're going to be doing more videos. Ryan's mm-hmm. doing some videos. You're going to do more videos and we're doing videos. So this is a lot of fun with YouTube and with Facebook and all the places. We put it on the website, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. So it's very, very exciting. That is very good. So you'll have to let us know if people actually 
try it themselves because okay. you post the recipe on there mm-hmm. and uh, you know you give a yes I put a link to the original recipe because I was using it from a, a, an archaeological magazine that I read on the regular so there's a link in there if you want to try it yourself so it's a revival of uh, ancient uh, pastries and things like that it's yeah. going to be very good so <laughs> I, I find that fascinating did liked, you try it? Did you ever try no, it? No, I haven't tried he it. He wasn't here when I came for the taste test, so. He missed it. Missed out. Missed well, out. He missed out. <laughs> it was really interesting, really good. And it doesn't necessarily taste like sand. It does not it, taste it, like sand. It's, no. It, it, <laughs> it really is. You'll good. have to see the video yeah, to know to. what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's worth, a, I think it was a little over 17 minutes long. Something like that. So, uh, really yeah. good video. It, it's Check worth it the out. time to watch. And uh, lots of fun. Lots of giggling and laughter. We've and it's got the question. Very good. We do have the question. It's anywhere from Numbers chapter 25 through to De- Deuteronomy chapter 10. All right, here it is. I'm going to ask it of Ryan and Corey, but you at home can play along. I can't help. I'm not helping. All right. So <laughs> as Israel's journey is reviewed by Moses, mm-hmm. what was the name of the place that had 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees? All right. Is it number one, Mara, number two, Etham, or number three, Elam? What was the name of the place that had 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. Now, if you're just new to the Bible, I'm going to give you a clue. Check out Numbers chapter 28, but I'm not going to tell you where. And Ryan and Corey are going to give me an answer. What do you think, guys? Go ahead. We are very confident, <laughs> yes, that it is number three, Elam. Well, if you at <laughs> home were listening very carefully and you have had a chance to skim through Numbers chapter 28, and you agreed with Ryan and Corey. Good for you, because they moved from Mara and came to Elam. At Elam were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, so they camped there. I guess so. I think mm-hmm. I would have too. And that's nice memories for you as children, because remember, we used to have a Elam trailer Lodge. at yeah. Elam Lodge. So mm-hmm. there you go. Lots of nice uh, memories today. Leave. Hopefully you got the answer right. remind you that three days we are praying for you. That is 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern time, same as New York time. And if you join us on YouTube, Facebook, or Bible Discovery TV, we will pray for you. It's a live prayer meeting. But today, let's pray and say, Lord, help me to live my life as you would have me to. Not like I want to live, but I want to live like you desire. Help me to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen.